Hey. Hey, you. Yeah, don't look behind you. Yeah, I'm talking to you. Have you ever been frustrated trying to buy tickets online? Most sites make it complicated, and they try to sneak huge fees in at checkout. That's why you need to try SeatGeek. They've made it easier than ever to buy and sell sports and concert tickets. Now, I'm going up to Dallas next month, meaning July, to try to check out some Rangers games. And you'd better believe I'm going to use SeatGeek. I used it for my trip in Detroit I told you guys about. Um, I've been recommending it to people left and right all across the country, to be honest. A couple friends in different spots been recommending it. My buddy is in New York, and he's going up to visit his family a little bit for the summer. And he and his dad are already mapping out where they, what they're going to go see uh, in terms of Mets games with SeatGeek. Honestly, it's the only place I use now. I used to use other places, I'll freely admit. The one that frequently gets mentioned here, StubHub. Stopped using it. It's not It's not necessary at this point because uh, SeatGeek's taken all the work and hassle out of shopping for tickets. SeatGeek pulls all the tickets available on other sites into one place so you save time and never miss a deal. You can even set alerts for upcoming games and SeatGeek will let you know if the price falls. Even better, every ticket on SeatGeek is given a grade based on value so you can immediately find underpriced seats. And before you buy, you can use SeatGeek's detailed maps to see the view from your seat. Now, I remember when MLB.com first got this for their stadiums, and it was awesome. But I would, you know, be on the StubHub app or something, and then I'd have I buy the ticket or look at a section, then I go to the MLB site and have to kind of, you know, use their stadium view. Now it's all it's all in one with SeatGeek, and the grading is just color coding. So if you know a stoplight, green means go, red means halt. So if you see a red one in the section you want, maybe relax and try to find a green one because those are going to be the better price tickets uh, for their value. Best of all, SeatGeek is always honest and upfront about the price. Unlike StubHub, SeatGeek shows you the full ticket price from start to finish and never surprises you at the end with huge fees. Now, my listeners get a $20 rebate off their first SeatGeek purchase. To get that $20 rebate, all you have to do is download the free SeatGeek app, go to Settings, and click Add Promo Code. Enter the promo code SLEEPER, S-L-E-E-P-E-R. SeatGeek will send you $20 after you've made your first ticket purchase. It's really easy. Download the free SeatGeek app and enter promo code SLEEPER today. Episode 364 of The Sleeper and the Bust. It is Tuesday, July 12th. The All-Star Game is going on. I'm your host, Paul Spohr, joined by Jason Collette. Jason, how you doing? We're back together again. Yes, yes, we are. Um, we have we have tried. Uh, you know, th- there was no uh, Monday morning episode for you all because the uh, the hotel that I was at uh, was... was uh, Paper thin. The walls were a little thin. <laughs> uh, I, could, I could hear my neighbor watching his TV. And so I figured, you know, by the time that... You and I were able to get together at the same time. I was like, I, I don't want to be a, a jerk and like keep that guy up with baseball talk. Maybe maybe he was a football fan and would have put him to sleep. <laughs> I don't know. but Maybe you so, should have watched what he did so then the sound would kind of be in, ste- in stereo where it's like behind you and you're watching it if you guys were watching the same thing. That would have been so, cool. Sur- yeah. Surround sound and hotels yeah, yeah. are a rarity. <laughs> uh, and then last night I had a work conflict uh, while I was down uh, at the PGA National. Um and in the place I was at, in their infinite wisdom, decided to hold an outdoor event. In July. In, in July at 5 o'clock. Awesome. And yes, there was a breeze blowing, but it was uh, just Barely unpleasant. In. I was very happy to come home, uh, even though it was going to be 98 uh, tomorrow. I'm supposed to go to Carowinds for my son's birthday. Um, yeah, it's going to be a scorcher there, but at least it's not humid. I, I forgot how much I hate Florida humidity. At least you'll be doing cool, fun stuff, too, like work mingling. In the heat, I imagine, is a hell of a lot different than hanging out with the fam for Jacob's birthday. So that that should be a great time. Hopefully, I'll yes. have a lot of fun with that. But we did not want to miss two weeks in a row, so we're getting it done here. Yeah, uh, I don't want to miss that and all the sound effect fun. You know, the, <laughs> I, I want to say the hour and 50-minute show the other day made for – I listened to that on the, on the flying uh, – on the flights down Sunday when I went – when I was going down – uh, for this conference, I was also able to go to a Marlins game down there. Uh, saw that, saw that Stanton bomb. gigantic place for the first time. Yeah, I saw a Stanton bomb. I got to see the gorgeous home run sculpture um, go off. Uh, got to see they were giving out Ichiro faces uh, oh, for this man. one. And so, 
Uh, I did not. I didn't. Oh. I hate carrying crap around. But I have well, a picture. Yeah. I have a picture with my best friend, my godson, and his friend, and the three of them are sitting behind me with Ichiro faces. Uh, I think I put it on social media. Maybe I have. I think it's on Facebook. Um, but I I posted that. So that was good. Um, stadium was. I, I guess I was underwhelmed by the stadium. Okay. Yeah. I was going to ask. Underwhelming. underwhelming. Okay. You know, it's probably because the roof is closed and then the lighting. It just always looks kind of blah on TV specifically. I I think it would probably look better with the sun shining on it and the roof open. But when you see it on TV, the roof is almost always closed because they never know when it's going to rain. Remember, they're the only stadium that with a well, no, uh, it's a hot roof. as hell. It's hot well, yeah, because they opened it. Hot. That's true. They opened it after the game. The kids are running the bases, so they open it after so they can get some sunlight on the grass. And you can Dude, as soon it. as they opened it up, it was like, oh, oh dang. Yeah, <laughs> it was I, terrible. I was thinking of the rain. Forgot about the heat. That's obvious. Oh, oof, um, it was bad. That's brutal. But I think they're the only stadium ever with a roof that had a rain delay, because remember when the roof messed up, um, one of the one of the Miami rainstorms got them as the roof was trying to close. And they actually, actually had- not the only game. Uh, there was a game in 1976 in the Astrodome that got rained out because the rain rain was so bad coming through. In Houston, it flooded the roads, and the umpires couldn't get to the stadium. Wow! So until they had that issue in Miami, the only indoor rainout was in the Astrodome. Well, there you go. See, we don't just uh, hopefully provide enjoyable fantasy content. We're bringing you baseball trivia, and uh, we got a pretty interesting topic for today. We're going to talk some some floundering hitters, some guys that are in need of a rebound, some guys that we, we spent big bucks on or at least medium bucks on at the draft table who have not lived up to their performance. So we're going to go position by position, uh, one-on-one battles here, and you're going to pick your, your favorite guy for a second-half rebound. We're doing a couple outfield ones, uh, one of the high-end, one kind of a middle tier, um, just because outfield is so deep. So we're, we're going to dive right into it here. We're going to start behind the dish and – We've talked about it. You and I have. Eno and I have. This podcast has has been all over how much of an utter wasteland that catcher has been. So the fact that there are also some guys who are going to be counted on who have fallen off, that just makes things more difficult. And honestly, that has made somebody like a Wilson Contreras coming in all the more uh, impressive and, and allowed him to be more impactful. By the way, Poppy walked. And this is what I was hoping they'd do because he doesn't play the field, so it's hard to take him out in the middle. He walked, and they're bringing him off uh, to give him his ovation, so that's pretty cool. No uh, groove fastballs. That's that. Yeah. I didn't want to see that crap. Fernandez ain't. Screw that. Fernandez not going to be doing that. No, you this know is Jose fine. Fernandez is all about, all about trying to win. So he walked him, goes to first, comes off, nice little ovation. AL team out on the field with him, NL team standing up, giving him an ovation. Good stuff all around. But let's get back to these catchers here. Two of them have been really brutal, and, and lucky me, they were two that I was really interested in. <laughs> <laughs> Russell Martin and Yasmani Grandal. Now, Martin's already kind of started his rebirth, but yep. uh, he still, when I'm looking at the ESPN player rater, still doesn't check out well and uh, actually is, is pretty close to Grandal. So I figured that they were still a w- worthy comparison, even though there's been a little bit of a home run surge by Russell Martin. He still is toting a 77 OPS plus because of his 656 number right now. So he has seven bombs, 36 uh, RBIs. Pulling up Grandal's numbers right now. Grandal cannot seem to stay healthy, and that's definitely something that concerns me. He's he's kind of stayed afloat with 12 home runs because when he does make contact, it's 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 powerful. But a 2.12 batting average, most of our leagues are batting average, so that matters. However, if you are an OBP, you're not as disappointed with a 3.23. That's at least passable for the barren wasteland that catcher has been. But which of these two, Russell Martin or Yasmani Grandal, do you think will have a second half uh, rebound that you'll that you'll be happy about? keeping on your team like like i said martin's already kind of started his so that's the that's what's going on in his favor the batting average it's really tough with it because the batting average has been all over the place even mm. for a guy that's such a good when you watch him you know if you were to tell me that his batting average is below 230 right now i wouldn't believe you but it is and it's the third time in five years that it's been that low and that 2014 season that was his contract year uh really is looking like the outlier against the 248, 237, 211, 226. Hey, 290, 240, and now 228. Um, and the power, that's what really hurts. I mean, it's one thing, and that's what dif- that's what's the difference between these two guys, is at least Grandall's still hitting for power. He's got, to, despite not staying healthy this year, he has 12 homers. and he, He's on pace. It's going to be a career high for him, which is awesome. 
but this is the give and take with him. He's pulling the ball more this year, and if he doesn't get the ball up, he's hitting it into shifts, and that's one of the – you look at that 226 batting average and balls in play and that 212 batting average, which is about 20, 25 points lower than the previous two seasons. You didn't draft Grandall for average. You figure, you know, 240, 250 for catcher, that'd be fine, but 226 hurts. Uh, the, the power's there, but I don't know if that's going to get if, – if the batting average comes up, maybe the power doesn't because uh, we can we can see that he's pulling the ball more and he's also hitting the ball into the ground a lot. I mean, his his ground ball rate uh, is just about 50 percent. Um, really, I, I'm kind of leading Martin here. I'm kind of leading Martin here. I, I, I think either is justifiable for different reasons. I think Martin, you know, in the better lineup, in the great park, as you mentioned, kind of getting going already recently. Um, Grandal has shown the power already. But for me, as much as I, I've been a huge Grandal backer in recent years, but staying healthy. I mean, at the way we've seen his career trajectory go with the health piece, it's easy to understand why Yasmani Grandal took PEDs. I'll, I'll just say that because... He hasn't been able to stay healthy and stay on the field, and that's the biggest benefactor that they give, or benefit I should say that they give. And so I, you know, I'm not saying it's it's justified and that he should he should you know do it again. I'm just saying that at least I get it. I think I'm actually going to lean Martin as well. I, I'm I'm coming coming down off my my Grandal case a little bit just because. I just don't think he's going to stay healthy because even when he's not missing games, I think he's one of those catchers that really gets nicked. They all get nicked, obviously. They get hit up back there, but some, I think, take it worse. I'll I'll always maintain that Alex Avila gets it as bad as anybody, and I understand that I'm influenced by watching all the Tiger games and, and seeing him back there in previous years, obviously now with the White Sox, but I watch enough other games that I feel like I, I would see it if, if another catcher took as much of a brutal beating. But I think Grandal might be up there as well. I'm out, out here dropping stuff off my desk. But uh, I'm going to go with Martin as well. So we'll sweep it for Russell Martin and then move over to first base where it's also been – it has not been a wasteland, but it's been a little bit underwhelming. And, and it was not hard for me to find a couple of relatively frontline guys. We're talking first five or six rounds, a couple guys here who are just not making the grade. You go to ESPN's Play Radar, I cite it often. It, it, it gives a, a, a rating for each of the five categories, runs, homers, RBIs, stolen base, average, adds it up. You get a numerical rating for all of those, add it up, that's your total rating. And you look, obviously, you know, 12 deep, that's what you want for a 12-team league. You know, you start looking deeper. Anything past 25 is a little bit problematic. Once you start getting past the 20s, really, it, with, with first base, you don't want those guys starting. Well, both of these guys are past the 20 point. Jose Abreu, 23rd. Adrian Gonzalez, 25th. Now, sorry, Dodgers, but you got two guys on this list already. And spoiler alert, you got two more coming up. And <laughs> I'm not trying to hate on them. They've just had disappointing fantasy players. You've heard a lot of talk. I, I think it's somewhat gone under the radar with, with Jose Abreu. I don't think he's getting as much hate as some of the uh, first half, for lack of a better word, I'll call them busts. I don't think he's getting nearly as much hate as, as some of them. But I think the rumblings are starting to really come up and say, what the hell is going on with Jose Abreu? So between Jose Abreu and Adrian Gonzalez, who do you like for that second half rebound? I, I like uh, Adrian Gonzalez. I mean, with, with the Brayu, it's just been dragging along. You, you'd hope more of it would be there by this time. This is a guy you and I both like coming into the season. Mm -hmm. And the the power, everything is trending down for him. The, the average is really what's the killer thing. And home runs, yeah, we know it's a little past. So we're not, if we, let's double it, double it and take away 4%, right? That's going to give him 20 homers. And that'll give him about 90 RBI, which is, you know, below average for first base. And then we're also talking about a 272 average, which for him is down. And, you know, again, that's that's really tough on you. With Gonzalez, it's always been a, a matter of we just pencil, pencil in the numbers. Everything else, the batting average is there. He's getting on base. It's just the ball hasn't carried for him. I think he's the one guy in baseball that's not hitting home runs. Right. That's not, you know, everybody else this year, the ball's going all over the place. And, oh, by the way, kudos to Eno for yes. telling the commissioner today that he didn't believe him that the ball wasn't I'm juiced. not buying it, commissioner. So not great. So it, great. By the way, we, we Eno and I have talked a lot about that as well. But it was you and I, because you wrote about it a while ago now. I'm going to say a month and a half. 
for Memorial Day. I yeah, uh, you you were zeroed in on the fact that home runs are through the roof. Then June happened, and they really took off, and everyone noticed. Like you, you couldn't help but notice at that point. But you were clued in on that early with the home runs, and I tend to agree with Eno because it is something that we talked about. I just I just think the ball's juiced up a little bit, and you know Manfred uh, sh- shook it off. He said Eno said it. He did it laughingly. That it wasn't like. Uh, t- there wasn't like tension around it, but he just said, you know, you know, flat out said, I don't really buy it. And uh, I think Manfred's comeback was they showed in, in the Japanese league that uh, messing with the ball can cause the commissioner's job. So, he, he, you know, I don't, I don't think he would not want to admit to it, but the way they're up this much, you either got to say that the home runs are, or that the, the ball is juiced or that everyone's using, right? I mean, it's, it's only one of those two. Like, what else could it possibly be? I understand that we just Global went through, warming. Yeah, I understand that we just went through June and, you know, super hot month. But I don't know if June alone explains the pace that we're on, especially given where we were the last couple of uh, years. Every, everything else, everything else is maintained. You know, the strikeout rate is going up yet again. This is for Gonzalez. You know, Oh, no, you're talking about for no, the no, league. No, but league-wide. League, 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 league league. No, the Gonzalez thing, I mean, what really stands out for him, uh, the reason why the ball's not flying out for him is he's Grounds. hitting everything into the ground. Yep. I mean, 50% ground ball rate, and he hasn't been over 40 in three seasons. I mean, his career rate, including this, so I'd say his career rate was about 40%. He's at 50% right now. Okay. Ground ball to fly ball is at two. Uh, this is just crazy for him. I mean, One, one good thing is that he was tracking um, around 60 into – uh, I want to say maybe like maybe by the end of May, I think he was around 60. I don't know for certain. He was going, he was going all Joe Maurer. It, it was it was bad. Maybe maybe upper 50s. Maybe I'm overstating it. But my point is that June and July have seen him kind of get back toward that 40 percent mark. But like you said, he hadn't even been Adrian Gonzalez hadn't been over 40 for several years. So even still too many balls on the ground. But. If you got everything else going, maybe he gets a little bit lofted in the swing. Is that who you're picking then? You're going to go with Adrian? I am. I mean, he's got over since June 1st, uh, 12 extra base hits, 10 doubles, and just two homers. Uh, but everything else is is right in line with where with with where it was. I mean, for him, even if he doesn't hit for power, the thing is, you know, for him, he can go on one of these tears where he's hitting for the average. Yep. And it seems like we've been waiting for Abreu to do this all season, and he's and he's not. No, he's it's just, just not. I've had him. I have him uh, on a final year deal in an AL league where I've got an outside shot at the title, and I just keep waiting around. I can't trade him. No. But it's, I'm just writing him out. But this is—it seems like he's been there all year. And last year he got up to that that awesome start. That's the right way. He got up to the awesome start and then tapered off. And you know, with him, so it's just this deep into the season, the track record. We just don't know what to do with Adrian Gonzalez. You know, he can go on one of those hitting tears, and, yeah. and to boost the average up and help you out in that direction. So even the 291 he's at now is not peak for him. He can do more. I love Abreu, I really do. But uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna actually agree with you here. So we're, we're gonna go two for two on, on the agreements. But I'm not just gonna disagree for the sake of, of argument here because I really think Adrian Gonzalez is the play there. Like you said, he's got the other pieces going. Get a little bit more loft in the ball here, and he could go on a little bit of a run. Maybe not some crazy Mark Trumbo, Will Myers kind of month with the homers, but like an eight homer month would be nice and really gets Adrian Gonzalez back on track. So I'll go with him as well. Let's shift over to second base and talk about a couple of guys there. Joe Panic and Anthony Rendon. Now, these are both two guys I think that, you know, I think Joe Panic's been on the disabled list this year, or maybe he's on the concussion DL right now. So I know he's, he's been nicked up. Yeah, he's on the concussion DL right now. He's only played 70 games this year out of a, a possible 87, 88 for the Giants. So he's missed some time. But even when you, you know, it, it is this isn't just a counting numbers thing for Joe Panic. The one facet that you feel like you could rely on for Joe Panic was batting average. If I told you, like, what's one thing that you know you're going to get? You'd say batting average. Well, he's hitting 256, you know, and the seven home runs in 70 games is actually kind of a, a surprise. He hit eight in 100 last year. So that's actually been a little bit of a, a boost up there in terms of, of Joe Panic, but the batting average hasn't been there. So that's definitely hurt him. Meanwhile, Anthony Rendon has been all right and he, and he shows a spurt here and there where it's like, okay, maybe he's about to get going. He does have nine homers and nine stolen bases. And you can't just flat double it right now because we're past the 81 game mark. But if you just added, you know, fine, add seven to both of those and 16, 16. If you, if you, if I told you it was a 16, 16 season coming in, 
feel like a lot of people would be pretty happy with that. So it's hard to kill him on that. But again, batting average, 254. So batting average is hurting both of these guys right now. Who do you like between Joe Panic and Anthony Rendon for a rebound? Man, it, th- this one's really tough because you, th- the obvious answer should be Rendon. Because mm-hmm. the talent, this uh, talent-wise, he wins. We know what he's capable of, you know. And health-wise, that's the thing. He's played every game this year. And it, you really can't knock him on a health issue. Um, the, the walk rate's strong. The strikeout, it's right. Everything's in in line with last year. He's hitting for more power. Average is is only dropped down 10 points from last year, but it's a 30 point drop from two seasons ago when we all fell in love with him. Uh, the thing with Panic is. I thought last year was over his head. I mean, if you if you go back and look at his minor league track record, uh, he hit well in leagues that had positive run environments. He hit well in high A, which is the California League. He had high in triple A, which is BCL. You look at what he did in double A, which is a more neutral league for them, and it's a, a lot in line with what he's doing this year. Um, you know, he is going to, unless something drastically happens, you know, he will uh, exceed last year's power total. But again, everybody's doing that this year. So it's really not a big deal from a guy to go to eight. If he tracks, he's going to end up with 12 or 13, which will be a five homer boost um, in roughly 200, uh, another you know, or 200 plate appearances above what he, uh, where he is now, maybe 150 above last year's total. Uh, Rendon, cause I'm going to, I'm going to go with the talent decision here and, and go with Rendon uh, because again, I was, I panicked for me. It was, I just thought he played, uh, I was surprised. And when you're that surprised by how well a guy does uh, last year, it only goes down. And I think that's what we're seeing with panic. I think is closer. I think his true talent is closer to what we're seeing right now than what we saw last year. I needed you to disagree. Or I mean, I know panic I... so we can disagree on one. But you know what? Again, I'm not going to force it. And I know that people have complained about it. I knew you were going to. I knew you were going to take Rendon yeah, though, because you, know, think... you love him. You love him. You yeah. love him more than I do. I think but a lot of folks him. know that one. Uh, I do love Anthony right. Rendon, and you know we're kind of we're kind of in a zone with some with him with Rendon at a 96 to, uh, WRC plus and OPS plus they match where he's a hot streak away from from just kind of being. Uh, at the level that we thought he could reach, right? And when when I've got guys like that that are just kind of hanging around, they're not killing me. Like I'm not gonna, I wouldn't hear anybody trying to say, "Oh, Anthony Rendon killed me this year." No, he didn't. You know, he's been he's been fine. He maybe hasn't been as good as he'd want wanted, but he's been fine. This was the same with Michael Franco till he went on his tear, and now he's got a 115 OPS plus. He was lingering around the 90s somewhere, and I do think it will come from Rendon, and I don't necessarily think that he's hurt because he's run 14 times, and even though he's right. only 9 for, for 14, not a great rate, they've let him run 14 t- Like, he's saying, I'm healthy enough to run. I knew they were going to let him run if he was healthy. I did not yeah. think that they would, would, would baby it. If he's out there playing, he was going to run, especially with Davey Lopes there. Things are playing yeah, out with Dusty, them. We, we I remember we're talking about that. With yeah, Dave, Dusty, Dusty and Davey. And, and they let guys run. And you look at it with Harper. He's 13 for 19. So they, they let guys run a lot. And, and the rates aren't that good. But I'll take the volume because I don't, I don't play in a net steals league at all, really. And I certainly don't have uh, Rendon in one of them. So I, I, I'm with you there. I'm going to take him. He's in the better lineup as well. Well, actually, that's probably a little bit more debatable. The Giants lineup is pretty darn good so that that i'll actually call that more of a push but either way i'm still going to go with anthony rendon you get a little added bonus of having third base eligibility too and when you're deep in the season and we've seen just a rush of injuries the last couple weeks mostly to pitchers so it's not completely relevant to what i'm about to say but having that extra flexibility of a guy who can move to a different position that's just so key at this point when guys are dropping like flies so rendon for me we're agreeing three for three let's see if we can get some uh some huge argument here at third. By the base. way, as we watch Aaron Sanchez pitch this inning, I just right. tweeted this because he remind he reminds me of Jason. The delivery reminds me of Jason Hamill. Oh. I was just looking at him thinking, I'm like, why does this delivery look so familiar to me? And then it just, I'm, I'm looking at it more and say, it looks just like Jason Hamill. Well, I hope he doesn't do what Jason Hamill does about around this time of the year, which is get hurt. Implode. Yeah. <laughs> Implode, break down. Because, you know, the durability piece comes through there. There cannot. And, you know, and I were talking about this the other day. There's there's not something with the calendar that Jason Hamill sees. It's July and and, you know, it freaks out, sees his own shadow and, and runs back into the, uh, the the cave of good stats or, or in, into the cave of bad stats. I just think that he's not and he's not young either. I just don't think that he's necessarily durable enough to get through the grind well, of 200 plus. Well, you think back, I mean, if I recall him, he's on some kind of medication. 
because oh, okay. remember he's got I want to he's got something genetically uh, he inherited from his uh, father. His father died at a young age from it. But I remember writing I, I did a story on Hamill years ago. Former and he Ray. Takes, uh, well, I actually did it after that because uh, oh, I've liked Hamill for quite a bit. I I wrote this the year he bounced back because I was like, I'm on this guy. Um, but he takes something, I, his family, maybe he's got bad arteries, something, but he's, he takes some kind of medication. And the I'm reason looking, I remember I'm it, looking. I remember it because uh, he stopped taking it one year because he said it, it or it, he had a problems adjusting to it mm-hmm. because he, it, wore, it wore down on him. It doesn't say what it's for right now. Just says pro MLB player Jason Hamill turns to acupuncture and herbal treatments for relief. For what? The medication worked, but one of the side effects was body soreness. So that I'm not getting a lot of. Oh, it's a cholesterol medication. Did, did he inherit bad is. cholesterol? Yeah. So dealing with that medication would work for it, but leave him sore, especially being a pro athlete. So maybe maybe that's. Maybe that's still a problem all these years later for him, and he has to decide between, you know, trying to get something a little bit more natural and herbal that maybe doesn't work, and going with the meds that do work but give him trouble. And yeah, there's a lot of different stories on it, and so yeah, cholesterol is an issue for him. And I just, I just don't know that he's gonna, that he's set up for the grind of a full season, Jason Hamill. And how we got on the Jason Hamill tangent was uh, that Aaron Sanchez has a similar wind up to him. Hopefully he doesn't have the same issues with health and, and cholesterol. something I wrote at Baseball Prospectus. I cannot find the article for the life of me, which tells me it was back there. Yeah, it would, it would probably be uh, buried in the, in the recesses over there. Let's shift over to the hot corner and uh, back on the Dodgers here. We're talking again. Uh, first half, for lack of a better word, we'll just call them busts. They're not all busts, uh, but we're just using the, the preferred nomenclature there. Justin Turner versus Miguel Sano. Both have dealt with, you know, Justin Turner coming back from microfracture surgery. Um, he has played all 86. Well, actually, they played 90 games. Excuse me. He's played in most of them 86 games. So I don't think that, you know, it's not it's not something where you automatically blame it on health. But when you're coming back from microfracture fracture surgery, you're not necessarily at peak health. So I would not be surprised if some of his early struggles were him kind of getting back on track from that. But he, too, is like Russell Martin, where he's kind of already gotten back uh, going a bit. But still, compared to what he's been doing the last two years, Justin, Justin Turner is off of that pace. So I'm put, putting him up against Miguel Sano, who similarly has not, uh, has not been terrible. You're looking at a 118 OPS+. Plus. But he was drafted to be a superstar. And, you know, we're talking third, fourth round type. And I didn't want anything to do with him. Not that I thought he was going to get hurt. And he has missed 20-something games. He's only played 60. And I don't have the count for the uh, for the Twins right now. But every team has played at least 86 games. So it's been at least 26 games. This was a games. leg, right? Yes, lower half for Miguel Sano. I should have had that info handy. Let me pull it up right now. So he's got 14 homers. He does have an 823 OPS. This is a no now. Um, and, you know, it's not like he's been terrible. And same kind of goes for, uh, yeah, strained hamstring. Same kind of goes for Turner. He's got double-digit home runs. I think he has 12. He's been all right. But neither has been, again, the stud that was uh, was expected of them when we came into the season. And I still think that there's probably another level for both. So who would you pick for the second half between Justin Turner and Miguel Sano to kind of bust out and have have a big second half, carry people to the finish line? All right, I want the guy that since June 1st has hit 281 and slugged 570, and that's Justin Turner. Ooh. He last 150 plate appearances, nine doubles, 10 homers. That's and monstrous. 281. So the power, like you said, early, he, he rushed back. We talk about these guys. Yep. Oh, I'm going to make it back by this date. And, yeah, he really started slow out of the gate. But I think what's being masked here is those are his numbers. I mean, 371 weighted on base average, 135 WRC plus. That's what he's been rolling out there um, here since June 1st. So while the overall numbers are ugly, if you've owned him of late, you've seen this. Be like, hey, I mean, I'm finally getting – I'm actually getting more than what I thought I was going to get out of yeah, him, but he nice. I mean, he's aloft in the ball right now. I mean, his his fly ball rate's 46. percent uh, His ground ball to fly ball is 0. 0.6, um, and he's he's spreading them out. You know, 40 percent, 35 percent, 25 percent, making a lot of medium and hard contact. Um, the home run to fly ball ratio is 19 percent. This is over again over the last five weeks. So 
that's the guy I want. Hopefully you're saying Sano, so we finally disagree. Uh, we are going to actually have a disagreement, right. and it is organic. <laughs> I, I, I like Turner, and I agree with what you're saying there, but uh, I am going to go with Sano, who enters the All-Star break on a six-game hitting streak. He's been really sharp in July since coming back in his 10 games. He has a 282, 391, 538 triple slash with three of those, uh, what was it, 12 homers, 14 homers. And again, this, this is a guy who can just, like, when he's on – he can just carry you power-wise. He can go Edwin Encarnacion on the league. He can go Chris True. Davis on the league. And so while I did have some reservations about him with the price that folks were were paying, I um, actually now feel like you could maybe get him at something of a discount if you were to trade for him. Not, not that you'd rip somebody off because, again, those bottom-line numbers are not that far off. But you're not paying the, – the draft day price was what I had the issue with. And I think sometimes that gets lost when we do the preseason coverage. Oh, you don't like this guy. You know, what? his skills are great. What's wrong? It's, it's I took me. him in the top 50 in a mock draft. He was my fourth-round pick in a mock draft. Uh, I never took him that high in any other draft. I mean, I, I did have the opportunity to do so. Uh, I did not take him high. Uh, that anyway. said, you know, I, I did pay for Bianco Park in two different leagues. And right now that's sitting on my bench in two different leagues. Mm, uh, but I digress. Uh, yeah. yeah. So and I, I didn't want to pay that price before for Miguel Sano. And, and again, it wasn't injury because if he doesn't, if he wasn't hurt, he might still be hitting 243. But you could probably tack on another six homers. Like you'd probably already have 20 homers. And so you'd probably say, OK, you know. Maybe shouldn't have cost as much as he did, but hardly uh, problematic to have 20 homers, 50 ribbies or whatever. Actually, maybe that's giving him too many, 15, 14 extra ribbies. Eh, I don't know. Either way, if you, were, if you were on that sort of deal of like a 40-100 pace, even if he was hitting 243, I don't know that many would complain. I just wasn't sure that he was going to be able to uh, maintain the kind of power pace that we saw last year in half a season with the strikeout cap- uh not capability, the, the the strikeout issues that Miguel Sano had. And he is still striking out a ton, and it is impacting the batting average. That's why I didn't want to pay a fourth-round pick. But if I'm out there trying to trade, power is more plentiful, but this is still game-changing power. You can, you can get power places. You can probably get some power on the wire. But if you're kind of buried in power and you really want to try to scale the standings, you need somebody like a Miguel Sano. So there's our first disagreement. I will take Miguel Sano. Let's shift over to shortstop here. And talk Troy Tulowitzki against Jung Ogung. Now, Troy Tulowitzki, again, this is another one who is already kind of coming out of it, but the numbers were so bad early on that he's still pretty easily qualified to to be a disappointment when you look at, at, at shortstops. And it's not – I understand that shortstop is having a renaissance, but it's not like it's flooded with all this talent uh, fantasy-wise beyond kind of those top four guys that, that we talk about, those young right. guys. Uh, Ian Desmond obviously having a great season. And Correa isn't even up there. In, no. You know, he, he is in terms of the future, but he's been 12th on the player radar. But either way, Tulowitzki was 25th. So I know he has a, a 103 OPS plus. That's above average, but that's not cutting it for fantasy. So he's on this list against Gung. And now Gung's problems are are self-inflicted right now we need to let the the process play out as far as as far as all that goes with the potential charges coming against him but i'm not i i'm not going to sit here and say that that's not impacting him on the field then too because he's been brutal pretty much since the time that it was uh it, it was said to happen so there there is that and i'm not going to gloss over that that's factored in here but when we're talking about baseball and, and, and fantasy, he has, you know, obviously given lesser numbers than what was expected of him. He has a 119 OPS plus, but that's influenced by being in PNC, where his his raw numbers might not be as high as, as somebody else's uh, 119. But the fact that he plays in PNC gives him a little bit of a boost. 11 homers, 30 ribbies, two stolen bases, 248 average. Both guys have been okay. You're kind of meandering along. 15 homers, 43 ribbies, and 239 batting average for Troy Tulowitzki. So neither killing you, but neither carrying you. Between Troy Tulowitzki and Jung Ho Gung, probably an obvious answer with the, with the legal stuff for Gung, but which way are you going? Yeah, I just don't know if the legal stuff's going to resolve itself any time for Gung, and that's and that's going to be a distraction for him. I don't know how you you and separate it should be. the two. Yeah, and I it's hope, going I to. hope it weighs on him because that's – Terrible. Well, if he did it, I hope it weighs on him. Obviously, if, if he didn't, then that sucks. But I'm right. I, I I don't I can't make any judgment one way or the other without any info. But it seems to be negatively impacting him. 
Correct. And then, but then you look at Tulowitzki, I go back, I, I, you know, you really can't go back to June 1st because you missed that time uh, injured, but That's you right. go back about two months. Tulowitzki is, is triple slash over the last two months is 299, 357, 521. So while he's not hitting with the, with the power that we would like to see in, in the, in the pinball machine up there North of the border, 300 batting average, getting on base, scoring runs, uh, you know, Actually, not scoring too many. Only 14 runs. Everybody's driven in 23. So he's he's still run producing, and he still has the opportunity, and you know he still has the opportunity in that ballpark to do more. He's going to have more opportunity because he's going to be facing bad Baltimore pitching. He's going to be facing bad Boston pitching outside of Price. He's going to be facing a lot of bad pitching in Tampa Bay who just can't get their stuff together, and the bullpen's awful. So as that schedule rolls out, I mean, I. I want to go with Tulowitzki. Yeah, you got the injury risk, but I mean, over the last two months, he's he's raking again. He's yeah. hitting for average, and that's why you want him right now. Uh, and it's not a bad consolation prize if you don't have one of the other shortstop studs. Agreed. That one, this one's a bit easy. I am going to agree here with with Troy Tulowitzki, and I think that his name value has come down quite a bit. I think that the he's been around long enough at this point to kind of burn everyone in the fantasy community. So I think everyone's just kind of whatever. That it doesn't have the cachet that it used to. You still have your uh, your handful of diehard believers but for the most part everyone's like yeah i recognize that he's still a talented player but i don't know that he's a game changer a lot of people don't see him necessarily as that game changer i still think he could be i think this was the year that uh you know like kind of like longoria yes. everybody's like fine i've drafted him yes. i'm done with him and longoria is having a great year and now tilowitzki is you know his overall year is okay uh, it's not great, but uh, he's he's getting it done, and this may be the time to go get him uh, as that second half push comes. Completely agree. Uh, Tulowitzki is the one to pick up. All right, we got two sets of outfielders here. One last time, Dodgers fans. I'm sorry, but hey, I'm burning the Tigers here as well because this one is a battle of the studs, guys that people were really counting on to to have huge seasons. I loved both of these guys coming into the year. There are teams that I have both of them on. It's Justin Upton against Yasiel Puig. Justin Upton, oh. it's not it's not great. It's not great. 235 average, just nine bombs. Five stolen bases, still running a little bit. 38 rabies, 40 runs. Has not been good. He's shown flashes every once in a while. He'll, he'll show the flash where it looks like, okay, it's going to be ready to go with, uh, with with Justin Upton. He's ready to take off. And then he and then the strikeouts are still there, and they're still there so plentifully that oh, it's really tough to deal with. Anytime you see Justin Upton just about to get in a groove, he goes and strikes out four times, and it's so frustrating to watch. Meanwhile, Yasiel Puig on the other side, I think labored through some uh, nagging injuries that eventually yeah. resulted in a disabled list stint because uh, he actually just got off the disabled list recently and looks like a completely different player at this point. So maybe he's ready to finally get going. He missed um, most of a, a big chunk, a 17-game chunk, of June and since then he's come back 317 417 467 but you notice that second number or that excuse me that third number and that second number just 50 points apart so the power still is not that great even if you just took that 19 game sample and paste it out over a full season it's 18 homers so that's not really changing uh, you know anything for you as as some sort of huge asset you can find an 18 home run hitter right now on the waiver wire that's how plentiful power has been so he's been better but i don't think so good that he doesn't still belong on a list like this where we're talking about underachievers so if you're betting on the second half who do you want between Justin Upton and Yasiel Puig? So with Upton, going back to the June 1st marker that we've been using here, 257, 321, 451. So six homers and four stolen bases, uh, but the strikeout rate's actually down at 25%. That's down compared way to what I mean, down he, 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 what was he was. Way up. I mean, he was way up. Yep. So the overall numbers, you know, so I would say he's probably good. Uh, he can at least duplicate that line the rest of the way, okay. but as long as Puig stays healthy, that's his floor. You know, yeah. Puig's very capable of going double-double the rest of the way if he wants to. Um, I'm going to go with Puig, and I have Upton. I've got both of these guys, one in AL and one in the NL. I traded for Upton trying to trying to buy low right before he took off, and he, and he started doing a little bit, but then he's just 
doing uh, right now. I wish I could do something else with him, uh, but it's just right now not happening. Again, in, in a year where everybody else is hitting for big power, a guy that's got a ton of power is not. And you know, the running joke used to be the little brother was the better one. And right yeah. now, Melvin's killing him. Big Bro has been an amazing fantasy asset. I think that, and I'm pulling it up right now, I think he's only got like a 102 OPS plus for uh, for Melvin. It's 106. So it's, it's like not eye-popping, but that's where fantasy versus quote-unquote real baseball, like that's where it changes because the 262, 311, 454, not blowing your doors off, but 16 bombs and 20 stolen bases in the first half for Melvin Upton, that's amazing. It's disgusting. And, he's got an outside uh, shot at 30-30. You think he's going to uh, get moved? Are they going to move? Uh, are they going to try to move Melvin or Kemp to try to open up a spot for Manuel Margot, or do they just realize let's just run this out because uh, we, there's no need to bring up Manny Margot right now? What do you, what do you think they they do out in San Diego? You listen. I mean, I don't know what the one thing I don't know is if uh, if Margot's got to be if he already is on the 40 man roster, or he has to be added to the 40 man roster this offseason. Great point. Great, great uh, point. Because if he's not on it, there's really no need to rush him up. I mean, it really, and this is the same, I make the same point, uh, like I would say that with uh, Willie Adamas, uh, with him, I wish the Rays would call him up the AAA. I know they just sent him a double A, mm-hmm. but if we look at the, the, Brad Miller's not a shortstop, and let's not You don't say. <laughs> Move him to left field. So then you say, okay, look at shortstop, and they get Daniel Robertson. Now, his bat's nowhere near ready, but he's a decent glove guy. Give him a shot. See what he and Taylor Motter do at shortstop. Put Adamas up at AAA. See what he does for uh, two months or a month and a half because the season ends the first weekend of September. Just challenge these guys, and I would go for that. I know a lot. they really want to delay. You don't want to like call a guy up prematurely because then that ends up being one of their option years, uh, and you want to see what it is. But sometimes you know, with these prospects, stop slow playing them and just play them. Get them in. If they don't sign for contracts, a lot of these teams, I'm hoping that pendulum swings uh, and these guys start cashing in and moving these guys up and not trying to slow play it out um, and just go with it. So um, if I'm the if I'm the Padres, I at least listen. I mean, his deal, okay. he's only got one more one year. year. Yeah. Deal. And that. You're right? not you're not you're not freaking out um, with the 17 mil next year. Like even if he isn't quite as good, like it, you don't want to pay a slug 16 and a half, but he's got a pretty wide range of what he can do next year. Melvin Upton and and not kill you at 16.45 mil next year. Not a bad deal. So he, he could be tradable if they wanted to move him. I think I agree with you, though. Just listen. Don't force it. You don't right. have to force some but deal. Go, but where do you go with them? I mean, if you think about teams that are contending. That's a good point. Who needs an know, outfielder? You're not, he's, well, he's not the Boston. They're Cleveland. too full. Cleveland could always use an outfielder. And uh, you know, that kind of thing. So I, I think the thing of it is they've been so reluctant to make moves in the outfield, though, because that I, I I know why, you know, that they have Bradley Zimmer and Clint Frazier on the rise, and that that's probably why they just want to kind of get to that point. Rajay Davis has actually been serviceable, more so from a fantasy angle with nine homers, sure. 24 stolen bases, but a 94 OPS plus, not killing you. Tyler Naquin come out of nowhere with his power, so he's got a 143. Lonnie Chisenhall has an 819 OPS, good for a 108 OPS plus. And then Jose Ramirez has been kind of a game changer for them. He's been bouncing around the field, but playing a lot of outfield because of their, uh, they had Michael Brantley, who just has not come back. Abraham Almonte got suspended for PEDs, and then so did Marlon Byrd. So that's what really, they had a bad outfield coming into the season and then lost two guys to PEDs. So Jose Ramirez has been pretty solid. I guess... By the way, Bradley Zimmer's got 30 steals now down in the minor league. That he's only hit so... 244, but he's on base 36% of the time. That's he's huge. got 14 homers, 14 homers, six triples, 19 doubles, and 30 for 42 on the bases. That's disgusting. <laughs> Listen, just... Jose, or excuse me, Juan Uribe is a great teammate. You can keep him as a bench bat. He should not be starting. He has a 62 OPS plus. You move Ramirez to third. You get Melvin Upton, and and you go Upton, Naquin. And then Rajay and Chisenhall are a platoon. I understand that Brantley's expected back, but I keep hearing that, right? And he's and he's just not coming back. So they've been great without Michael Brantley, um, but I I don't know. Maybe that's an option for them. I forgot their GM, but I mean honestly, when you look at that, I was talking. Who was I talking Mike, with? Mike Chernoff, by the way, is their GM. 
Oh, thank you. I was talking uh, with the with the Rotowire guys on XM last weekend. We were lo- they were looking at the the Bovada uh, playoff uh, or World Series odds, mm-hmm. and they have Baltimore, Boston, and Cleveland all within all within like ten to one, eight to one, twelve to one, all very close. Um, and I think Cleveland was the lowest of the three. And I'm like, why? That's crazy. I mean, you look at their Baltimore. you look at the pitching staff, and they could shut down either one of those lineups. Yep. If they wanted to, and if if I'm if I'm Cleveland, I'm looking at my roster saying, I've got a talented roster. I've got more talent coming up. You know, go for it. Go get something. If I've, I'm not going to give up Bradley Zimmer or Clint Frazier to go get a piece to help this team, but if I can do something else, I go do it. Uh, try to figure out another way to get that work done without giving up one of those two guys. Well, Melvin or, or gonna, is not going to cost you that. Melvin no, no, but if Melvin, you. I don't know, maybe Melvin may be enough, but it you know, if you're going to make the impact move, they obviously they don't need pitching. And I think what the the beautiful thing for Cleveland, if you're a Cleveland fan, is your bullpen's fresh. I mean, they can yeah. bullpen help. Bullpen's cheap. I mean, you, if you want to go get one of the Yankee relievers when they finally decide to sell, that's going to cost you. That's one thing. But bullpen help is always cheap because you know those they they don't want to give those guys qualifying offers. Mm-hmm. They, they can pick up bullpen help, but their bullpen's well rested. You look at Boston and, and and Baltimore; those bullpens are not well rested because those rotations are mostly crap. They're brutal, uh, yeah. And that's and that really is going to be the difference when it comes down to the end of the season is Cleveland's got a fresh pen. They got a great rotation and they could go up against either one of those teams and shut them down. And that's why to me, I think Cleveland's the odds on favorite of the American league. Totally. And, and if they can go get another piece offensively to help out even, you know, even better because they, they do have some matchup situations the way their lineups constructed. Um, but go get a right-handed outfield bat enough to makes a lot of sense for them. They might need to figure out a way to get Jonathan Lucroy though, too. Um, you know, that I understand that it's tough to bring in a brand new catcher, full time catcher in season, you know, to work with the staff. But he's every, one of the better ones. Every team should be looking at acquiring Jonathan. Lucroy. You got to right? Because he's the, back hitting. I wish the Rays would do it. The contract is so, so nice. I mean, you look at. Have y'all ever had a catcher, by the way? No, ever. no, never, ever. Um, he's only making he's only making five and a quarter next year. That's it. And he's a free agent after that. So you could trade for him. You give him the qualifying offer because he ain't going to take it because uh, you know, at that rate, he's going to get he's the best catcher on the market after next year. Mm-hmm. The contract was was very team. It's very team friendly. Every single team should be looking to add Jonathan Lucroy. I agree. If I'm, I, if, I'm Milwaukee, I, if I'm Milwaukee, I'm just I'm putting it out there. I'm putting him out there anyhow. Oh, what a nasty change up by Tehran. Um <laughs> Oh, that was filthy. He just made Machado just almost come out of his shoes. I'm, I'm about uh, to see it. I'm a little bit behind on the iPad, so I'll be excited to see that. Julio Tehran at the All-Star Game. Eat it, Chris Liss. Uh, we, we, we got far afield there on, on Cleveland, but I think you guys enjoy these tangents there. Um, so did you take Puig or Upton? You took Puig, right? I took Puig. I'm taking Upton. Homer. Um, yeah, Absolutely. Uh, I will. I will admit. <laughs> Although I will say, you could have called Homer on either one because speaking of Chris Liss, you know, I was standing right next to him on the on the Yasiel Puig mountain, just trying to scream about how oh, yes, great he yes. was going to be. So you know, uh, Erickson was there. I believe that you you were in on him as well. So the Rotowire team. I remember, I took him in that one league where he's got a guaranteed contract through 2018. That's right. I th- I think, and I don't know. I don't want to get anybody in trouble with like labor laws. Or I think we were threatened to be fired from Rotowire uh, from working with them if we did not back Yasiel Puig. Um, I think that's how strong the Rotowire team loved Puig. So we looked in Byung-ho Park. Yeah, so. that's right. That that was another. He, Jeff, Jeff was has a lot of Byung-ho Park investment. And of course, you do as well. So that one has not gone as well. Um, but I am going to go up in here. I do think that those click those those spells that we've seen where it looks like he's coming out of it. I think one of them is going to click. He's going to have his big month. Hopefully it's August. Hopefully it helps carry the Tigers because uh, you know they're speaking of bad pitching on on a team that is at least nominally a contender. Uh, I'm not going to overrate how much of a contender the team is right now because of the pitching in Detroit. But hey, they're never shy about making moves either. I know Dombrowski's no longer there, but Al Vila learned under Dombrowski. He's going to have the same kind of methods. Would not be surprised if whatever prospects the Tigers have that are considered good are on the market to get some pitching help. That's irrelevant to what Upton's going to do. 
I just think that he's going to have a, a power surge month where he's going to basically double his home run total in a month. He has nine right now. I think he's going to have a 10 homer month at some point here or 10 homer 30 day span. It doesn't have to be a particular calendar month. It just has to be a 30 day run there. So yeah. I'm going to go with Upton. I really do like both those guys, though. I would be interested in acquiring either in situations where they are uh, underpriced from what they were early in the season, which should be everywhere. Anyone trying to ask me for full price on those two can GTFO with that because I'm not putting up with it. All right, last pair of outfielders here. A couple of lefties on new teams who have been disappointing. You watched one firsthand here. There was a camp that was, you know, strong, probably not, definitely not the majority, but there was a camp that believed that Corey Dickerson was going to be fine out of Coors because of the way he could hit. He would no longer have the Coors hangover, which was certainly something that would help. You know, it's one thing to lose Coors, but you also lose the hangover. So while you might go down in home numbers, you can go up on road numbers and kind of, kind of cancel it out. Not necessarily, uh, you know, completely cancel it out, but either way. No matter how you slice it, Corey Dickerson has not done that. He's down to just a 739 OPS right now. 230 batting average is really dragging it down. 13 bombs, so the power's still been there, but only 35 ribs. It's it's just, It just hasn't been that great in 77 games for Corey Dickerson. Playing DH, which probably hurts a little bit as well. That's, that's something new for him. Played outfield, obviously, in Colorado. There is a penalty for playing DH, so... You know, when you start adding all the factors, he still probably took more debits than he got credits by leaving Colorado. Obviously, the biggest hit losing Coors Field. Sure, you get better on the road a, a bit, but you also go to the 10% penalty for DH, and it all adds up to kind of a blase sort of season. He's going up against Jason Hayward, who I think just hit his first homer like yesterday or something. It took. Congrats quite a while for him to get going when did he really do it it was actually uh in june i believe he only has four on the year four homers 28 ribbies seven stolen bases 243 average i like jason hayward as much as anybody out there just i i, I like his game seems like a great kid as well but he's like a war hero uh, uh wait i didn't mean that was Unintent, unintentional there uh, just to say that I just meant that he's uh, he gets praised by the statistic war because of his defense though and I think sometimes right. that gets carried over into fantasy we're like he's a six win player yeah but what is he for fantasy purposes nowhere near that and this year has just been really tough it's been hidden because the Cubs are good if they'd struggled he'd be getting obliterated Correct. So you're going to go with he should be hitting down the bottom of the lineup. He really should. He absolutely should. He and Addison Russell should be flipped right now. I know Russell's not exactly murdering it. I know he's in the all-star game and all-star starter, but he's been about a league average guy with some good pop and solid defense at short. Frankly, though, they should have they, they should have their spots flipped. Hayward has just not been that good. But who are you going to take then, Dickerson or Hayward? So Dickerson, you know, one of the things – I'm going to take Hayward because Dicker, I think Dickerson's going to spend more time at DH uh, as this, as the season goes on because he has been playing a lot of left field, but they're obviously selling, and that means that Logan Morrison's going to go away, who's in the final year of a deal. Once Steve Pierce gets back healthy, he's going to be traded uh, because he's in the final year of, uh, of his deal. Desmond Jennings, they could do whatever they want with him at this point. Don't care. He's not coming back. He's gone. He's a goner. He may go to somebody as a reserve outfielder. Um, so you, some spots are going to open up. And this gets back to my earlier point. Put Brad Miller in left field. Try him out there because the shortstop thing needs to end. Put him at left field. Let him platoon with uh, Mikey Maddock. Let him platoon with. Brandon Geyer, do one of those guys, uh, any one of uh, any one of those things, and then uh, call up the kids, and then I think Dickerson's gonna end up at DH, or he's going to put a first baseman's glove on. Um, but he's are he's already admitted, hey, I don't, uh, you know, I, I don't like DH. I prefer he statistically his numbers are better when he's in the field versus when he's DHing. So it is taking uh, something for him to get used to. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he is getting killed at home. I mean, his numbers at home are crap. Three of his 13 home runs have come at home. The ones he's hit have been bombs, but his batting average is 205 at home and 254 on the road. He's doing plenty of good work on the road, um, but his, his numbers are almost evenly split in terms of plate appearances. I mean, there's 134 at home, 139 on the road, uh, but he's been bad. Uh, and really it's, it's not just the ballpark eating it up though. It, it's the quality at, it's the quality, the quality of the at bats. Hey, I've seen this singer. I saw her open for Eric Hutchinson. I was gonna bring her up when uh, I was gonna text you when she sang the the national anthem. The the it was the Rachel Platten. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
she sang the national anthem as well. I was like, I, you've been to her concert, right? Good concert. Yeah, yeah. So, she was you know, good. Open for her. Um, uh, and uh, and my daughter likes her a lot too. Uh, so the uh, but yeah, it's it's the quality of bats. The ballpark's not eating them up. It's not like he's hitting a ton of warning track shots or anything. And uh, it, it's really a lot of bad contact, lazy fly balls. Obviously, a ton of strikeouts because I mean those are happening uh, for him. It's just a, it's a it's a, the quality of the contact just has not been good at home. Uh, on the road, he has his issues too. But uh, for me, uh, give me Hayward because again, he's got the better lineup. That Rays lineup's about to get worse. I mean, Pierce when he was healthy was one of their best hitters. Uh, Morrison's been a lot better over the last uh, seven to eight weeks than he was the first six weeks. So those guys are going away. There ain't nobody good coming up behind them, so that lineup's <laughs> gonna get worse. So if he doesn't drive himself in, I don't know how he's gonna score much. Whereas at least Hayward can get hot and just get on base. Maybe he won't hit the homers, but he should be able to score runs. Uh, and Madden's gonna let him run. What? What the hell is she singing in the fifth inning, by the way? Uh, I, I, during, I don't know. I'm just looking at the legs. I'm yeah. going to be honest with you. <laughs> it's, dur- <laughs> it's during the stand-up to cancer thing. Yeah. I, I don't have the volume. I'm going to turn it up a little bit here. This is, this is, guys, we're peeling the curtain back. You know we love to do this. Oh, that song, yeah. I don't know about that. Oh, the, the sounds carrying. Oh, oh, this is my fight song. That's yeah. right. This is her Which, theme song, basically. I, I get, I get the the thought behind it because they're yeah. talking about fighting cancer, which is obviously always a good thing. Fighting cancer, not cancer. Um, but in the in the smack dab in the middle of the game, I I don't know. And someone tweeted out, you know, this is the game that counts, so we'll stop it in the middle for a ten minute song. But I I got to agree with that too. I got yeah. I I I just. I can't. I can't get behind it. I cannot get behind it. Do this in the it. seventh inning. Exa- take away. Take away. God bless America, and do this. Yeah, you can do it all there. In 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 seven. Yeah, not not a great idea there. Not in the end, it, it doesn't really matter. But hey, at least you didn't make a political statement with it. Unlike the tenors. Oh really? Oh yeah. They they changed the lyrics to the Old Canada national anthem. Uh, what? To reflect to reflect all lives matter. Yeah. Um. Yeah, what is it with San Diego and people playing with anthems, <laughs> right? I mean, yeah. at least they didn't grab their crotch like Roseanne Barr. That's true. That's true. That was the worst one ever. For those of you who aren't old enough to remember that, go Google Roseanne Barr National Anthem. It, honestly, it probably comes right up if you just put Roseanne Barr and then look for the autocomplete. It probably she's more known for that than anything she did in the entertainment uh, industry. I think. Pretty much. That god awful uh, fights, or excuse me, uh, national anthem. Was that a Jack Murphy then? was it was at the Murph. well that was weird i don't know i i don't i don't know about all that with with the middle of the fifth inning there uh be, being the time for that but you know what it's done time to move on we can actually go watch the rest of this game here wrap up this show hopefully this helps you guys identify maybe some guys that you could go out and trade for based on who we like again russell martin versus yasmani grandal we both took martin jose Abreu versus adrian gonzalez we both went with adrian gonzalez Joe Panic, Anthony Rendon, we both went Rendon. Third base, we had a split. J- Jason's going with Justin Turner. I'm going with Miguel Sano. Shortstop, we both went with Troy Tulowitzki over Jung Ho Gung. Justin Upton versus Yasiel Puig. I took Upton versus Puig, although I would adv- advocate trading for either. And then um, Dickerson versus Hayward. You took Dickerson. I actually didn't pick one. Uh, did you take Hayward? No, I took Hayward. I took, I took Hayward. Hayward. I think I'm going to take Hayward as well. I think the wrist is finally coming coming back a little bit. I think that's really what hampered him. It was one of those situations where he was hurt uh, enough to say that it's impacting him, but not enough to say that he wanted to go on the DL or that or that he needed to go on the DL. And so I think it's one of those situations that something like this, the All-Star break, is a perfect thing for him. Just get some time where you're not doing anything for a few days. That can help. Plus, he was already getting a little bit better with a handful of homers recently. So I will go with Hayward as well for the reasons that you outlined against Dickerson with the new home park, with the aging. It's just not been good for him offensively. So we'll go with Hayward there. These are guys that you can go out, should be able to get them on a discount. Not all of them dirt cheap. You know, Miguel Sano's not coming for free. Neither is Turner. Neither of those those third base guys. Tulowitzki probably isn't either. But you're certainly not paying top dollar, and they can play like top dollar guys the rest of the way. Jason, what's your travel schedule like? Are we going to be back on Sunday? Um, on Sunday, I am going to Wrigley Field on Saturday. 
I'm just looking at that right now to see uh, uh wrong one. I wanted to see what might when I get back on because I am flying back Sunday. I need to see what time I get back on the ground. So we'll hit up uh, with a TBD on that then. Yeah, it's it's gonna be a TBD, uh, and that's mostly that's yeah, me. I gotta. I, this was one of these ones I had. Uh, Delta credit that I had to use or lose mm-hmm. and uh, one of uh, my colleagues has season tickets in Chicago and That's she's awesome. bugging me to come up for a game uh, for favor uh, the payback so I said all right claiming it let's go yeah I don't even get home till seven o'clock Sunday uh, so unless we recorded something I'll be on central time so if you want to do something early in the morning before I go to the airport I could do it but we I can't may do it at night. we may do that sit tight on that folks uh, in fact sit tight on the rest of the schedule this week I got to see what Eno's up to kind of go from there but we got you set up here in the middle of the week. Probably get you at least one more this week. Jason, have a great time traveling. Have fun on Jacob's birthday. Tell him we said happy birthday here on the sleeper in the bus. And you and I will talk again later. Absolutely, man. <laughs>